NG Meets is brought to you by NG Digital. Visit our website at www.ng-digital.co.uk and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash NG Digital or follow us on Twitter at NG Digital UK. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of NG Meets. This is episode six and today's guest is Beeston-based comedian Scott Bennett. We sat down with Scott uh, a couple of weeks back to talk about how he made his break in comedy, his recent decision to, to go full-time on that, and also to talk about some of his favourite gig moments and how he's ended up currently supporting the one of his comedy icons, Rob Brydon, on his most recent tour. There's a nice sort of circular moment to that story when he talks about a um, incident regarding Rob Brydon right at the very start of his comedy career. This is a great chat. We met up at uh, Beeston Library. We were in there, a lovely library. It's been just recently been done up and it looks great and I highly recommend checking that out. Obviously, uh, it's massively important to support your local library. I just wanted to thank them as well for providing us with the premises to record this conversation. It was great to speak with Scott. Now, this is quite a short interview because he was really busy. He was shooting off to do some work uh, immediately after this chat. So it was great for him to give up some time. Hopefully, uh, at some point down the line, we'll have a chance to have a longer chat with Scott. The one thing we didn't mention during this conversation, actually, which is how I first kind of got to know Scott, is he's as the Scott Bennett podcast, which he runs uh, or he's, he presents alongside a couple of other people, including the Beastonian um editor Matt Turpin and uh, I was that I first met Scott when I was a guest on that that's well worth checking out if you look up the Beastonian on um, Facebook or if you head over to scottbennettcomedy.co.uk you can find out more about his pod, podcast or pubcast as it's called um, as I believe it's recorded at the White Lion in Beeston it was great to speak with Scott. It's great to see what he's up to and some great insight into the world of comedy, getting started and, and you know, the decisions that he's had to make along the way in terms of that. Now, important, the support he's had from others has been. Hopefully you'll really enjoy this show. We've got some more great shows lined up. Uh, I'll mention the next one at the end of this episode. And don't forget, you can check out all of our shows at ngdigital.podbean.com and it's available on iTunes and other um, podcasting apps and we are working on a new ng digital website where we hope to have all the podcasts available there as well as um, other projects that we're working on and planning at the moment uh, but that's enough for the housekeeping side of things enjoy this podcast this is ng meets scott bennett Scott Bennett, a local comedian. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure. It's, uh, surprisingly warm. I know, yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It changes yeah, it so quick, yeah. Um, 
couple of weeks ago we had all the schools shut. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of dusting and snow. We yeah. never got snow days when we were kids. No. Everyone says that though, don't they? But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, no, nice, nice, Matt, actually. It's like almost beer garden weather. It, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, so you, you're joining me today for, we're just going to have a chat about uh, your sort of comedy work. And sure. I started in comedy, which I think you did eight nine years ago 2009 time 2009 first gig yeah um that was in nottingham at a place called bunkers hill oh yes and uh, it was a gong show which i don't know if you're familiar with the yeah, concept. Yeah. it's gladiatorial where the audience <laughs> are given the power which is never good uh <laughs> and uh, yeah that was my first gig and um so i went along and my wife came with me so she was there on the first ever gig and uh, yeah it was it, i remember it distinctively i think it was halloween actually and uh, so it went really well. So, the, so I, I won the first gig at the, the Gong Show, and I think sometimes that's the the tipping point. Then I think if you have a really terrible gig, yeah, I think it can be enough to stop you in your tracks. But because that went well, I think that might have been the best and worst thing that happened. Because then it was like tapping into you, going, "Well, you can keep doing this." So, like, I think in in a way that sort of validated me wanting yeah. to do it more. You know, so it's a weird. It's a weird thing. It's interesting, that, isn't it? Like you say, you possibly potentially when you don't know but yeah your entire life from that point on may have yeah was may have been entirely down to how that is it two minutes how those uh, 16 people judged me yeah 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 the two the five minutes above a pub in nottingham it is weird how, how sort of fate sort of um sort of does that i mean the really the really interesting thing is uh, I mean, we'll come on to that, but that that night as well. This is this is sort of freaky, really. Is that my wife had bought me uh, the the day before the first gig? We'd gone to see Rob Brydon in Nottingham yeah. at the Royal Centre. She'd bought me his autobiography, and I've always been a big fan of his. And then she'd gone along to Waterstones and had it signed. And she'd said to him, you know, he's going to do stand-up tonight. Tomorrow night, he's going to do his first ever gig. And he was like, all right. So he wrote, good luck with the stand-up, Scott, and then signed it. Yeah. And that's the really freaky thing about that is that eight years later, I'm supporting him on tour. And I take the book along and yeah. it signs the other side of the page. Really? That's yeah. It's, so it's like a full circle of yeah. life, um, which is sort of, it's sort of weird. It does feel a bit like fate. Yeah. That must be incredible. I mean, you, I mean imagine when you, mm. you first you did that first gig and it went well and you got the book yeah but i mean at that point i imagine you were just thinking about getting a few more gigs not yeah but not possibly you know performing in front of yeah you know, well i mean big big audience of rob browning's getting on yeah yeah i mean it, and it got it gets very serious but I, it is weird because when you first start with comedy it's it's sort of i think it's different to music in that you sort of um First of all, there's that thing like when you when you see bands playing in pubs and that, there always is a, a reaction. People always clap at the end of that. Yeah. Every time they play a song, it's like Pavlovian, isn't it? But with comedy, it's not like that at all. So they're like, if you, if they don't laugh, it's like it's brutal. It's yeah. like it's literally judging you there. I've never done anything with such scrutiny and feedback, which is a instant feedback, which is a bit weird. And you're entirely on your own most you, of the time. Yeah. Though. I know you've done a bit of. Yeah, I've done. Yeah, I've done some sort of panel shows and stuff. But yeah, when you're on your own, that's what makes it exciting. Though it's that vulnerability of, like, it it literally does die or fly with you. What yeah. you and th- that control is what makes it addictive. And of course, it's yeah. probably the most subjective form of entertainment. Oh, you totally. know, there's no. Yeah. You, you mentioned bands as an yeah. interesting contrast, but there's 
generally, you know, if you've gone, you might, you might not know the band, you've generally gone along to a gig because you know the style of music. Mm. You know, you haven't gone along to mm. see five local rock bands expecting jazz, and you're not going to get a jazz band on. Yeah, totally. Or comedy, especially the sort of, like you say, the gong shows or the, the sort of multi lineup yeah. shows where the, the comedians can be extremely different styles. Yeah. So, you know, the chance to please an entire crowd where every single one of that people in that crowd has got their own yeah. subjective thing of what is and isn't funny. That's. I think I yeah I mean that is that is exactly you've hit the nail on the head there. What I found with comedy is there's like um, strains of it. So when you first start, you do these gong shows, which are a, a sort of hyper version of comedy. Yeah. Because all that really says is that hey, can you be funny as soon as you pick up the mic, and have you got a punchy style? It doesn't suit everyone, but it teaches you. The one defense of gong shows is that it teaches you to be funny first and understand what that dynamic is. Yeah. It's not ideal. If you did them forever, you'd be a terrible comedian. But it's a good start in that. And then what you what you do from that is you go, uh, you, you sort of, you, you work around the open mic circuit. But in my first year, I found that I'd get one gig, then I'd have a month off, then I'd get another gig. And you'd go and do, and I, uh, even from the start, I was working a proper job, like a proper career. Yeah. So I'd finish at like six, but then I'd go and do, I'd take any gig. And someone told me that, that um, I'm trying to think of who it was. It might have been um, Sarah Millican, proper name drop that, but uh, <laughs> I'll just pick that up. Um, yeah, it, she said, so you just do every gig when you first start. Yeah. You've got to do everything. And, and that's, that is the best advice because you, you don't get paid for it, but you go and do, you, you see what different audiences are like, and it gets you into the rhythm of doing 10 minutes or five minutes. And I, and, I, and I still remember those first gigs. I still remember that um, feeling of the first five minutes coming together of something that I wanted to do. But it, it does feel it does feel really weird that you're on as well when you're on a mixed bill. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So you're like, that's the first tier of it. And then you're on with a load of other acts, normally like a new act night. And there's like sort of 10 acts and you perform into two people and a dog and yeah. it just goes on and it feels like it's going on for like a, it feels like a fundraiser, like a telethon. It's going on for days and days. And then you're like, sometimes you're a victim of where you are in the running order. So you're like, yeah, you'll be yeah. like another white uh, working class Northern guy who's just talking about life following another guy. And they're like, it's just a different shirt. Yeah. Mate. yeah it's literally just a different shirt. And then someone will come on at the end and wrap a garden hose around their head and sing the national anthem and they get a stand innovation. <laughs> you know, I used to have that guy coming on in a bin bag. I remember, I remember this sort of cause, cause it's such a different changing yeah. pace. It's like anything. It's a variety show. Um, and then once you get established, you see, you get start getting booked on pro bills, and that's when you start. Yeah. That's really when your career starts. I think is when you're on a proper comedy night, paying people. You're in the middle. You're doing ten minutes amongst professional acts. That's when you start yeah. to really learn. I think. Well, uh, I so mean, those first few years are just sort of scratching around. You know. I imagine that it's a brilliant training ground, though. I mean, mm. and obviously, if you read, I've read quite a few books. Mm. By you know some of the comedians I you know always been a fan of like Frank Skinner, Jack D, people like that. Yeah, they've all talked about you know the, the comedy store. Yeah, you know and, you know Frank obviously all the put in Birmingham. Mm. And as you say, it can be brutal. Mm. But I think if you can get through that, yeah. And I imagine there must be a lot of people that don't. I I think this is true. Again, someone once said to me, comedy really is is sort of thirty percent talent, but it's like seventy percent 
determination and, and work, really. Yeah. Like, there's, there's loads of amazing comics out there that haven't made it because they've stopped or life's got in the way or, you know, th this, is, this is the reality of it. This is what my show is about, actually, at Edinburgh this year, which is about making the decision to do something like this when you're 38 with a, a job, wife, children, and you've got a mortgage yeah. and you stop all that to do this. Now, that, that, that seems like a... It, that's not an easy decision. No. Because what, what that effectively you're doing is you just you're just a complete leap of faith, really. Um, and, and I think that that's, yeah, it, it's, it is very difficult. You have to get through that sort of phase of the early stages of, of doing the comedy just to just to see whether you can do it. But but yeah, it's, it's certainly not an easy career to balance. And I think some people have stopped because they've been given an ultimatum. Yeah, literally, like their their partners have said, "Look, I can't do this." Yeah, because it's unsellable. I think the same. I it's mean, a I've, totally unsellable job. Um, done. I've covered a lot of music. Yeah, you know the things I've done, and that's a common. You know, these people they start up bands when they're still mm. at uni, particularly Nottingham. Mm. You know, three, four, five years later, they've got a, a you know, they've got a partner, mm. possibly kids at home, like saying so many of them. Then after, mm. um, you yeah. have to say, okay, I can't do this anymore because it's just not. You know, because for everyone it happens for there's However, many that are never only always going to be, yeah, you know, that same, and that, that that's the fear that is the genuine fear of what I've got is that the fear of like, am I going to be one of the ones that just sort of gets almost to the door but I haven't got the key? And then you sort of like, you've been you all the time, the years are tripping away, and you're thinking, where do, where does it, you know, what point is that at the point where I'm going to go, right, I'm happy with it, yeah, that's that's the, the real agony of it. But I think where I found was it, it, it was just the fear of. Regret. Yeah, it was more than the fear of failure. Yeah, that, I think that, that's the fear. Feeling. I uh, read your blog. Yeah, which yeah. I think it was from about November, which you you talked about this exact same thing about yeah. making that leap. Yeah. Um, of faith, and you talked about the um, difficult it was, and you you mentioned about um, there's the element of selfishness. Yeah, totally. Because sort of your bigger, your biggest fear of it was failing more than you know yeah. the repercussions it might. Lead, but you did it again and you talked about yeah. that regret if you don't well that's that's the thing you are walking a fine line because it is a it is a selfish uh pursuit because you're talking about yourself for 20 minutes <laughs> you're promoting yourself it is all you you're building yourself as a brand and then you've got to make sure you've got a little bit of room in your life for everyone else that needs you that that's that's the skill uh i think that's that's what it's actually done is this year and, and this is why i've totally um how I feel about it is that the skill is to make sure that I'm attentive to those relationships as yeah. well as as well as doing the comedy and well as wanting to do to do well with the comedy. But I think equally you can make it work. That's yeah. the thing. There is a way to make it work as long as you and your partner are on the same page. And mine, uh, Gemma, my wife's been incredibly supportive. I think, I think I think if I'd have been still scratching around doing gong shows, following that guy with the hose around his neck, <laughs> after eight years, she maybe would have intervened. Yeah, I mean, I well, think I think that it's probably that case, isn't it, where you would need an outside, somebody outside has yeah. got to turn and say, it's this isn't working, mate, is it? Mate, you're deluded, like you yeah. said, for you, yeah. Yeah. it has progressed. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing. You've got to see that it is going somewhere. Like totally. So you're not just going around in a circle. Yeah. It? And I think perhaps it helps as well, obviously, that your wife was there from the very start. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think it does. I think her being at the, her being at the first gig was sort of symbolic right but yeah 
So it's 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 incredible, really. Those eight years, um, I start to look back and think, you know, from where we are, from when I started to where I've come to, still a long way to go. But it has moved on year upon year, you know. Yeah. Just through hard that, work, really. And that's important because you can see that. Yeah. Like say, there's a there's a progress, you know, going up a hill, no yeah. matter what speed, whether you're flying yeah. up it or taking it up yeah. slowly. Yeah. You're going up it. You're not yeah. still looking at the bottom, looking up and. Everyone else is sort of waving down at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. the, the the bigger picture is I think comedy is gen. I think it's people have said it before. It's an illness. Like I think I think that's the problem with it. I think it's like if someone said to you, "Are oh, you going to stop doing it?" I think it's like someone who's in, in like you said, the band thing's interesting. If someone's got to a certain point, and you're like, oh, if I, "What if I just kept?" Yeah. There's, there's no way. No one can tell you it's going to work. But then people said to me, oh, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can go back to work. But in my head, I'm thinking that's never going to be an no. option. No, I've got to yeah. keep, I can see me like, you know, 80-year-old on stage <laughs> talking about bin day or something. You know, like, <laughs> put the bin out, sort of one coming Brilliant. on in a cane. We're just like, oh, yeah, I supported Rob Brydon. You know, <laughs> coming on the motorised scooter or something. At least you'll still be doing it. I'll that's still be doing it, yeah, yeah. The, that's it, mate, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you talked about... Your first gig at Bunkers Hill, so yeah. you, were, you were already in Nottingham when yeah. you started. Yes. Because you're obviously originally from Yorkshire. Yeah. And what was it like? Because Nottingham, is, it's got quite a sort of underground comedy scene. It's obviously it's got places like Glee and it's got some, you know, the console and things like that, but it's got mm. places like Bunkers Hill, the Maze have a lot of, yeah. like, there was jonglers here. Yeah. But it it doesn't ever really get the attention as being one of the, the comedy Scene. So what was it like, sort of, on those early days, clubbing around Nottingham? I think that's an interesting part. I've never known why that. It, it, com- Nottingham has got so many outlets for comedy, which is great when you first start. And you've got all the funhouse stuff, which is the the, the bunkers, the maze, and all those sort of smaller gigs. You've got just the tonic. You've got jo- yeah, jonglers and glee. But the the thing what I found with it is is that it's sort of a, it's a bit like Birmingham in that it it's got it's got a, not much of identity Nottingham in terms of the the scene, it sort of yeah. feels very, tr- when you do the Glee in Nottingham, it's a fantastic club, but it feels quite transient. It feels like there's people on, you know, visiting Nottingham. It doesn't feel like there's any sort of community as such. Even though I, I do really like Nottingham, I think it has got that, it's got that sort of blend of sort of northern sensibility, uh, but it's also quite aspirational as a city. Yeah. So I think I think that's a really good mix for comedy. I think that they're not, it's not, um, it's not colloquial to the point where, you know, if you get the name of a town wrong, they'll hate you. It's <laughs> all like that, you know, you, 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 they really all know each other and it's a time. Yeah, as long as you don't you mistakenly, know. Yeah. you know, slip Derby in. Oh, well, that, of course, yeah. <laughs> that, right. And if you, if you bring up football, you're in trouble, you know, you're, you're your own worst enemy. But um, yeah. I think I think that they, as a terms of a town, I've always liked performing in Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think it's it's a great place to be based as well. Because you are literally two you hours. You can go anywhere, anywhere, can't yeah, you? Yeah, I can do. I can get everywhere for gigs, um, and I feel like in terms of, I've done it sort of a weird way around, really, because a lot of comics, particularly with my accent, would have stayed Leeds and done the M62 Manchester Leeds yeah. Liverpool, and I do get a lot of work up there because it translates dead easy. Yorkshire and North West is a, you know, there used to be a rivalry, but they, in terms of my voice, it works. There. Yeah. Uh, but again, I don't think it. I think the only thing is, is that um, you know, I, you, I use the M6 too much, which just <laughs> breaks you down slowly as, as the days go on. But yeah, Nottingham, I think, is a great place to be based, and um, 
I, I think it's it, more comics will come here. That's yeah. what I predict. I think we get obviously we get a lot. Of, we've we've got the, the arena and the, yeah. the concert hall, so we get some great shows. Mm. So it feels almost feels like it's more a destination than a home in comedy. Yeah. So you everyone, you know, a lot of people come to play Glee. Obviously, you know, it's yeah. a popular place, especially for work in progress. Yeah, yeah. And we've had, you know, I've seen some great stuff. You know, surprise. Yeah, and they and they and in terms of I would say that's a premier club in Nottingham. Yeah. I think they they have a really good attitude towards comedy. Their the places are always well policed. The audiences are well behaved without being sort of yeah. stagnant. And it just seems to they just seem as a brand and as a model they've got it right. And and every comic wants to play the glee. It feels like a comedy club, totally. you know, with a big glee sign. Behind yeah. it reminds you of the old comedy store sign. Yeah. And I think I think it was interesting as well. That I think Nottingham was like put the second place. Mm. You know, they pitched up after Birmingham. I yeah. They've got, they've got Cardiff and possibly more now, but yeah. Which I mean, I'm guessing location was part of that because, as you say, you you can anyone can get in the same way that you can get anywhere. Anyone can get yeah. to Nottingham fairly easy. And and also but, when I when I play it, I want to play it more often. But you sort of with Glee, it's like it's like Christmas. You only get it sort of once. Yeah. You, you get the run of them, but you get them. So I do them once a year, really. Although I did do Nottingham uh, when the weather was bad. Because one of the guys couldn't make it, so then they rang me and I was like, sort of flown. It was last Friday, oh, really yeah. bad day of the yeah. weather. So I was in like an emergency comedian. It felt like I was coming in. Like, <laughs> I was literally piloted in, uh, and then I just jumped on a tram and got straight into Nottingham, and then just went. And it's just it's so great that that's on my doorstep. And also what I love about it is because the, because it's like five minutes away, it's one song on a iPod. It's a yeah. one song gig, and I think any gig that's a one song commute. Is a great gig for me. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sitting in the car. You know. And you mentioned another one, Just the Tonic, yeah. which obviously is a coming mm. comedy institution, and yeah. you know started up yeah. here in Nottingham. And it's obviously it's it's been blighted a bit by having to shuffle around so many yeah. times. I think it's based Masonic Hall now. It is, and a couple they do a bit down at Knotts County as well. Yeah, down the, there. But yeah, you know Darrell who runs that. Yeah, is. Reputation and what Just the Tonic have done, the names that have started off there. Mm. I think that's a shining, and even I think you've you've done the fringe with them. I do, well. and I'm doing the fringe with them again this year. So um, yeah. it's, it seems feels like everyone's everything's there, isn't it, for an it incredible is. scene? I mean, you have got yeah. It, it, when you think about it, you've got yeah, you've got the alter the, the Just the Tonic's a bit more on the alternative yeah. side, but um, they, I remember they uh, really that was my first. They do a thing called a, the Big Value Package Show in Edinburgh, where you go and you do 20 minutes on a mixed bill. And I got, I went in 2013 for that. So that was like when I was sort of three years into comedy, four years into comedy, uh, and that was the first time I'd ever been to Edinburgh, and it was the, the best experience, just one of the best experiences, because you just go and do your 20 minutes every night with three other acts. You, you're in Edinburgh. You feel like you're in, you're learning so much, and that was via just the tonic. Yeah. So they, I've definitely got a good relationship with them, and um, it's great to have that balance as well. And they do, they do uh, put together really good bills. Daryl knows comedy; he's been in the game for so long. And um, when you go to Edinburgh, um, I always I go in with them again this year, and their staff there are great. They're really yeah. into it. They really want to be there. So it's it's good. It's important really because it's such a it's a great month, but it's such an exhausting month. It's so intense. Yeah, I've I've heard. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of comedy podcasts, things like Richard Herring. Right. Okay. And things like that. and uh, they, whenever all his guests and him, so they all talk about how mm. 
how exhausting it is, you know, mm. but it's pretty much got to be done, isn't it? It's, like, it's, yeah, and it's, it's what, a shot window for comedy, isn't totally, it? Totally, it's agree. a trade fair. And what, what I don't, what I, what I sort of didn't appreciate is the first year I did my first hour, which was 2015, I didn't appreciate just how how some days you can be performing to silence. <laughs> you know, it's like, all it is, it's, it's all those bad gigs you have in a year all clumped together in 26 nights. So it's like, so some days it's incredible. Some yeah. days you walk away thinking, I'm, a, I'm like, you know, I'm a god of comedy. I'm the new uh, like Robin Williams or something. You go away thinking, this is amazing. Then other days, the reality is you've got like a row of people in cagoules who won't take the cagoules off, which was, that's true, holding their Edinburgh woolen mill bags. And you think, why am I doing this? And it's just like, we, they're not getting where you're going with the show. Because I remember once there was a guy who just kept his cagoule on. This was like in August. It was really warm. And I was like, that is commitment to really yeah. not enjoying the show. You've kept the cagoule on, mate. And that is, I've got to hand it to you. That's like the stealth heckle of keeping the cagoule on. I can't remember it was now, but yeah. I remember listening to one comedian who played Edinburgh. And they're, they're quite a big comedian now. You know, yeah. quite, they talked about playing that in the early days. And they talked about, I think they were a duo at the time. Yeah, there's two of them playing to a crowd, and that there was by the time the gig started, there was two people mm. and one left. Mm. So they were playing to less people than were on stage. Yeah. Then the person that was there went, got up and walked, and they thought they were leaving, but they went to the toilet. So they had to wait for this one guest <laughs> to come back. So they because could, they had no one else. Beautiful. I mean, yeah. Like you say, but yeah. I guess if you can, yeah. if you can go through that. I mean, I know. Yeah. I've seen somewhere there's the suggestion that if there's if there's less people in the crowd than on stage, you can, yeah, you can call it. <laughs> well, I think I think the thing is with the fringe and stuff, it is a total lottery. I mean, it's an expensive lottery. Yeah, uh, it, it really is. But the the thing with the fringe is, I think that there's the the reality is is that if you don't do it, it really it, the rewards vastly outweigh the. Um, you know the, the the pitfalls. Yeah, and I think as well. I always think I, I go up there. If you don't go up there thinking you're going to be put on television, that's the that's the mistake people make. They think they're going to go up there and be pulled. Some people are. You're going to be discovered or something. But the reality is, if you've got a good show, and you have played to decent numbers, like and I'm talking twenty. You know, I've got a fifty seater room. If I had twenty five thirty every day, I'd be delighted. And then you just you know you've got a good show. You come back a better comic. You come back like a footballer who's been in tap-ups every day. You feel like, yeah. you know. Um, and then what tends to happen <laughs> is because you've been doing an hour and you're in Edinburgh and you've been able to tell stories and really expand on your material, you go and do a jongler's or something the first <laughs> night back and realise that they don't care at all. <laughs> and they just want knob gags. And yeah. you're, like, you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, my relationship with my mother was difficult. <laughs> like, Come on, dickhead, I've got work in the morning. <laughs> do some knob gags. And you're like, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the transition back into reality. But the, the skill, I think, the, the end game for me is to be a comedian that can do everything. Yeah. And that, that, that's quite rare. So, like, to be able to have a really good fringe run, to be able to write for people, to be able to do stand-up in clubs, and to be able to sort of keep your integrity throughout all that and don't don't fall into the same... You know, be original as well, have an original voice. That, yeah. That's why it's... That's why I think it's such a brilliant job because you never fully get it. Yeah. It's to, you're totally grasping... And it's always out of arm's reach because you think I can, I, I'm there. You always think you've done it, and then you'll go and do a gig or you'll write something. You'll think, no, that's that's better than. And yeah. the, the actual reality is, people say, well, what? How do you keep writing stuff, and how do you keep 
uh, that's the trick is to not do the same 20 minutes for like 10 years yeah because that just that's just soul destroying i don't know how people do that and i think the other thing is as you get better as a comedian you should effectively be writing better and quicker yeah. so you should know where the funny is you should know you know as long as you write every day that's i think that's when you start to become more than just a circuit comedian that's when you start to be knocking at the door of the bigger boys you know yeah you talked then about writing mm. and you do quite a lot of writing yeah. for various um, shows TV yeah. shows i'm interested in how how that works you know how what's it like writing for other comedians, comedians because yeah. you must have to try and get into there because it's no good writing your set yeah. for somebody else yeah, who t- might be a different style. Yeah, no, it, it's an interesting process. I mean, I wrote um, for Jason Manford on a, on his tour, and I, it was it was just a one session I did. But the interesting thing there is that he he sort of sent me through a basic script of the of where the show was, and obviously I know I've worked with him before. But I know his voice, yeah. and I know his sort, and we're very similar age and viewpoint. That wasn't a massive leap of faith to write stuff about. He gave me topics, so like about family, and and all I did was then just write around those. But what what you what you don't realise is how tiring that is. Is like an eight-hour day. You sort of got to explore. It's not just writing the joke; it's exploring what the joke means on a bigger scale yeah. and where it fits within what he's saying. What's the message behind it? Uh, so that's one example. The other example is when you write for TV. So I'm writing for the Chris Ramsey show at the moment. That's much more. That's topical. So that, cool. in effect, is is easier. Yeah. Because what what that is is they they'll well I say it's easier. Sometimes it's not. It's that they will give you you'll you'll dredge for lots of stories and then you have to write really punchy quick gags. So imagine that he's literally stood there, the flash of VT up or a picture. He's got to go da 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 bum bum. Yeah. You're on to the next bit. Then there's a little bit of a monologue, and then da da da. And it, and what that is, that skill is in. Again, I think I couldn't have done it unless I'd been going this long, because you've got to be like, right, where's the funny? Where's the, and you in, and all. What's amazing is it's like a science, because as you start writing, all the theories of joke writing just are there. So you've got like the setup, the punchline, pull back and reveal all these techniques, joke writing techniques that you're not really aware that you've absorbed. They start coming out as you write yeah and then that again that is literally just a an eight hour day it's just a slog it is just a it's like crafting basically and i think there's probably a lot of people on the outside probably mm. you think that all a comedian does is you know go on stage at eight mm. o'clock do 20 minutes get hammered and get up again at six o'clock the next yeah. day and do it again well so, some people you know, think maybe... make it up yeah as well that every night you just go and speak well, like, and just improv every night <laughs> yeah and and the, the the thing is there though is the really good comedians are the ones that make it look like that that's the trick it'll make it look so natural yeah like your seinfelds and your uh your bill burrs and your, your you know the Chris Rocks, they make it look like it is literally just there, whereas the actual reality of it is totally different, like constant crafting. And you're right, some people do think comedians go up and do 20 minutes and then go and get hammered. Some do, Yeah. but I don't believe that's the way to to progress. But even the ones that do are still, they've still spent all that time writing. They yeah. haven't, like, yeah, you know. absolutely. And you can, that, that is, it is like, a, although I'm not, I've come to it late, so I'm not very rock and roll at all. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very sedate, really, compared to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the interesting thing is that, um, 
I, I mean, you have to you have to sort of keep working in the background, really. I don't think you can rest on your laurels. Because the other thing about the comedy industry is it's like being in a football team or, you know, there's always the juniors. Yeah. And, like, you literally will go and you'll see... I, I see it all the time. I'll go and do... I do new material at gong shows. I don't do the gong, but I'll go, like... I, he'll let me go in and do ten minutes of new stuff off a pad. And I'll stand back and watch the gong shows. And every week, every time, it's a brand new selection of acts who I've never seen. And I'll be like, Christ, there's so many people want to do comedy. It's, it's so yeah. oversubscribed. And then you look at acts that then come through. Where, what's interesting is that you've got positions on the bill, so you've obviously got an MC and you've got an opener who sometimes can take a bullet for the night because they're not warmed up. The middle spot is the sweet spot. So their newer acts are in the middle. So you get, then if you're on at the end, so I've started closing headlining a few gigs. Well, the interesting thing there is that's, that's been a real eye-opener for me because I used to be in the middle. And you can really upset the night. If you have an amazing gig, you're in the middle, you've got your best stuff, you know, you're dropping bombs. And then the headliner has to go on. You've got to go, you've got to go further. Yeah. You've got to be better than that. And that, that's an interesting thing. So you all the time, I think, the fear of me doing it and making this decision is helping me as well to fit with that, to go, well, you know, I have to make this work, but not just for me and the family, but also so I want to stay ahead of the, the, the next the next, next generation. Because then, then you, you know, I've seen now it's a promoter's market. They have got they have got the pick of acts because there's too many acts. So they if they turn up and you go, oh, Scott's done his same routine about you know the references are so old or something, or he's done that routine again, you know, then you're like you have to show glimmers of newer bits, but newer bits that work. I wanted to ask because you've, you've mentioned a few comedians yeah. there that you've, you've, you've both worked with and followed. I'm just wondering yeah. um, who are your sort of com- comedy heroes were growing up, but also who the people are that are catching your eye oh, right. in 2018. Okay. Um, well, I mean, the, the ones that uh, were growing up, um, I mean, obviously, Rob Brydon was a big, big one. Yeah. And the reason why I, I, I think that is that. For me, he was not only I didn't see him. I didn't follow him because he was a stand-up. That came later. It was just the sort of the comedic performance. I always remember seeing him in Marion and Jeff and Human Remains and stuff. And he genuinely that sort of showed me that you can be a comic performer, but genuinely have an original voice, an original way of doing things. So that was the first one. Of the um, the trip. Yeah, the trips. You know, I mean, that's amazing. And Coogan, Coogan, really, it's Coogan and Brandon were my entire sort of teenage years, just everything they'd done, it just absorbed it, it was incredible. But in terms of stand-ups, I've got quite an eclectic taste. So I think, for me, the, I think the greatest observational comedian is Seinfeld. I think that when you watch Seinfeld as an act, there's just no fat on the stuff he's doing. It's just, it's like a, it's like watching a maestro conductor, it's like watching Vivaldi or something, because you watch the comedy, and you watch him, there's, there's no, no swear words, there's never any crudity. But it's just beautiful stand-up, and it's timeless as well. And, I, and I've watched this stuff four or five times, and every time it, it gets me. Have you seen the, it's on Netflix now, the Comedians? Yeah. I, think that's, I find that interesting yeah. as well, because in there's cars, some coffee, yeah. interesting dynamics in sort of his generation, as opposed to some of the younger. Yeah. Some of it's, I find some of it quite awkward, actually, yeah, although yeah. it's very clever. I mean, yeah. like you say, he's observational stuff, but there's a... Yeah. Interesting generational 
gap in terms of views and attitudes and particularly yeah. around he's very big on masculinity i find yeah but and yeah I, but he's so on yeah and i think i think yes i think so it, you have to sort of appreciate where he came from yeah but i think all the other reason i like seinfeld is not only what he's done on stage but his attitude off stage because he sort of he wrote every day but also what he did was when he had his break on the uh, tonight show about three minutes on yeah. and you know millions of viewers he went round the new york clubs every night five five times a night for that month and did the same three minutes and and did it so he knew it inside and out every breath every pause so that when he went on he could take the opportunity and that that to me just says that the the man is just like a, a work the work yeah. ethic it's breathtaking and that that's i think that's how you have to be i do think that's how you have to be because it's a bit like when Muhammad Ali was fighting George Foreman, or is it George Fraser? I don't know which one it was. Anyway, one of them two, he got uh, he got the train. He used to get inside information from his trainer. He said, "How far is he running?" And he said, "Something like he's doing ten miles." He says, "Right, well, I'll do 12 and I'll run alongside him at mile 10. <laughs> and it's like it's like that feeling of wanting to just do yeah. that bit more. So there's a Seinfeld there, and I think um, the other ones, there's so many. I mean, God, the, the Harry Hill I loved when I first saw him live, most original thing I've ever seen, still brilliant. Sean Locke's brilliant. There's so many, one, Tom Stade, who's a Canadian mm. comedian, yeah. so many brilliant comedians that I've worked with. I think the ones coming up, um, I'm just trying to think, so probably the most, the one that I think will break through is a guy called Simon Lomas, who's um, sort of a Manchester-based comedian, and he sort of does one-liners but they're sort of quite they're so beautifully original they're it's like stephen wright but like a modern take on it and he's got the whole personality going on yeah. uses it on stage and he's found his voice dead quick and he's sort of you know he's he's excelling at the moment so i think he's one of my top tips to make it through um i'm trying to think who who else there is there's <clears throat> I think that's about it, really. I mean, I see people every week, and that's what's wonderful about this job. You see people who, you know, um, you, wa you watch them, and then it might take a time. Now, that's the thing about comedy, is you watch them once, and you think, I'm not sure about that. And then you watch it a second time, and you think, yeah, I can see. Yeah. And then it's really interesting. In the early days, it's just chaos when you're on stage, and it's chaos for most people. You can't pull out what they've got about them. It's just a mess. Yeah, and that's how it should be, and that's why you almost need to go through that spin cycle for two years to be able to see people and say, "Oh no, that's what he's got," and that's finding your voice. Isn't yeah, it? those first two years are chaos. Those first five minutes is just a complete, you know, you write it <laughs> off. Don't count until after two hundred gigs. That's what yeah. I was told. So, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, finally, then just to say, what what's next? What's next? Um, right, so. This is the PR section. Uh, I've got my Edinburgh show coming up this year. Uh, I'll be doing that for the Fringe, uh, which is called Leap Year, which is literally about me doing comedy full time yeah. and what that means for the family and how, how how I dealt with the decision and then from where I was in 2009 to where I am now. So that's what the show's about. Um, then I'm writing on the Chris Ramsey show again. So that'll carry on for the first series, which is great. 
supporting Rob Brydon on Friday in Margate. So any Nottingham people, you're not going to come to that. Well, <laughs> that'll have gone by the time. Oh, right, will it? Okay. <laughs> if you get a DeLorean, uh, come down no, Margate. I'll try and get this out quick. But... Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, so I'm doing that. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to be gigging around the country. And uh, oh, the other thing is, I didn't mention this, is that my wife and I, we've made films together. Yeah. Sort of short films, that sounded seedy, it's not that. <laughs> um, so, because she's a comic actress, so what, what's been wonderful about this year is that because we've got time now and because I've embraced this as a job uh, and she supports me, that the natural we've been able to do things together, which is wonderful. So, she, um, we've done our first film of pilot, which is called Caravan of Love, which was screened at the yeah. Boston Film Festival. All oh, right. So, to be amongst all that amazing, I was, I've never been before, it was incredible. So, to be amongst, we were like the most amateurish, sort of <laughs> lowest budget one, uh, but to be screened alongside those in the comedy section was wonderful. So, that's our first uh, pilot. And then we've got a web series called Pillow Talk, which comes out in April. And they're short three-minute sections, are just short sketches yeah. about a couple at night and what they talk about when they go to bed. Oh, so that's going to be online, uh, and then we're just going to keep making stuff, so um, just to get things out, you know. Brilliant, and yeah. will that be on your website? That's on my website, yeah. scottbennettcomedy.co.uk. Brilliant. Brilliant, excellent. Look forward to that. Thanks, Darren. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank, Thank you for your time. Pleasure. <laughs>
how it got started, the legacy of it, everything that's happened, some of the great moments, as well as what you can expect from uh, this year's festival. So that'll be next week on NG Meets. Uh, in the meantime, you can, of course, check out all our shows at ngdigital.podbean.com uh, on iTunes and other um, podcasting applications, whichever mobile device you are using. And as I said, we're also working on developing a new NG Digital website, which will hopefully make give you access to all the shows and any other projects that we're working on. Uh, we do have some other podcasts in the work, other styles of podcasts, as well as obviously the NG Meets one, which will keep running. We've got some great guests that we're uh, just sort of working out the logistics too. So fortunately, I can't make any announcements on them yet, but hopefully uh, we'll have them coming up for you soon. So thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed this show, please let us know what you thought of it. Please let us know any guests you'd like to see on the show. And if you want to, it'd be great if you could give us a, a review. And you can also, of course, subscribe and follow the show on various uh, podcasting applications that you use, be it iTunes, um, Podcast Addicts and things like that. Thanks again. Uh, that's great. Hopefully you'll be back next week. And goodbye for now. NG Meets is brought to you by NG Digital. Visit our website at www.ng-digital.co.uk and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash NG Digital or follow us on Twitter at NG Digital UK.